Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, good morning. It's great to see you this morning. Welcome to everyone who's watching online as well. We're glad that you are with us. Uh, Every summer we go through an entire book of the Bible, and this year we're going through the book of James. Uh, We're up to James chapter 2, verse 14. James is a very practical book. It talks about everyday life, how you live everyday life, challenges to living that kind of life. And we're going to see that today uh, with some words that can often be a little bit uncomfortable. James tends to step on toes. Uh, We're going to be over in James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. And uh, let me read all of that to you as we get started here today. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but they don't have any deeds? Can that kind of faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister has no clothes or daily food, and you say to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and be well fed. But you do nothing about their physical needs. What good was it? In the same way, faith by itself, not accompanied by action, is dead. But some of you will say, well, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God? Well, that's good. Even demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Open our hearts and minds as we look into it today, and then help us to live as you show us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, several years ago, uh, I guess four or five years ago, I went on a trip with the uh, young adults to Belize, a mission trip, uh, because, of course, I was, I'm a young adult, and so uh, I went with them. Uh, I was kind of like the, the grandparent that went or something like that. But on the last day of the mission trip there in Belize, we went to the beach, we had a day off, uh, and we all decided we were going to go snorkeling. Uh, and uh, Belize has the largest barrier reef in the world outside of Australia, second largest in the entire world. And so uh, we took a little boat out there. Uh, uh, we all gathered around. And so the first thing they did is he said, we want you to have the experience of swimming with sharks. And so they opened the cooler and they started taking meat and throwing it out into the ocean. And all these sharks start swimming around. And he says, okay, you can get in the water now. There's just two things you need to know. The first thing you need to know is don't get out on the side where the meat's being thrown in. And the second thing is don't reach your arm out towards the shark's mouth. Okay, you can go. Now, I'm in a boat with a bunch of 20-somethings, and they all start immediately jumping in the water. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'd have had a little bit more information here before we did this. But, but I go ahead and I get in the water anyway. Well, if you're ever in a situation like that, 
If you're going to the ocean soon or something, I've got a short 40-second video that's going to help you with how to deal with a shark if a shark comes to you in the ocean, which almost never happens, but this is just a public service announcement for you. Here's what you need to know to survive a shark attack. The odds of experiencing a shark attack are just 1 in 11.5 million. Last year in the United States, there were 52 non-fatal attacks. Still, if you find yourself under attack, Try to stay as still as possible. Don't make sudden movements and don't try to outswim the shark. The shark is likely to swim away without bothering you. Get into a defensive position. Try to reduce the shark's possible angles of attack by looking for any solid object, like a reef to block the shark or get back to back with another swimmer. If the shark attacks you, fight back. Aim for the eyes and gills. Use repeated hard jabs with your fists and feet until the shark retreats. Even if the shark swims away, it could come back, so get to shore immediately. Swim with smooth movements. Thrashing will only attract more attention. All right, so now you know. You're ready. All you've got to do is not flail, get in a defensive position. If they come at you, hit the gills in the eyes, and then get to shore. Now, who feels like they are totally prepared for any shark that may come at you? Anybody? Thank you, thank you. Lanny Butler is ready for a shark attack now. Here's the thing. Just having some basic information about something, even believing that basic information, doesn't mean you're equipped to do anything. And that's what James is going to be talking about today. Let's look down to James chapter 2, verse 14. And the first thing he says is this. Faith without deeds is dead. Faith without deeds is dead. He starts out in verses 14 and 15 with a simple question. Look at that. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but have no deeds, can their faith save them? And so the question is, if you believe in God, but there's nothing that accompanies it, are you really saved? That's what he's asking. Now, we can make this more complicated and say, well, you know, you're saved by grace, not faith. It's not what you do. It's what Jesus did. But that's not what James is talking about. James is talking about something different. He's saying if you are saved, but your life has no indication of it whatsoever, if your lifestyle isn't different, if all you do is believe a few things about God and it doesn't affect the way you live, are you really saved? Does it have any benefit to you or to God at all. He then goes on in verse 16 and uh, he gives an example. He says, If someone says, Go, uh, if someone, well, let's try again. How about verse 15? Who would rather do that? Thank you, thank you. Verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and be fed, but do nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, not accompanied by an action, is dead. So he gives the example, you see someone and they, they don't have any clothes or, or they're, they're hungry and you really feel bad about it and you say, wow, it really bothers me that you, that you don't have any clothes to wear or that you don't have any food. And you know, it just touches my heart so much. You know, be warm and fed, brother. And then you turn around and you leave and you do nothing to feed or clothe them, he said, did that do any good at all? And he said, no, it was just a bunch of empty words. It was no practical good whatsoever. You may have even felt bad about it. 
Have you ever seen one of those uh, commercials that come on TV about the dogs that are being abused? You know, as soon as they come on, you know, it touches my heartstrings, and I feel really bad about it, and so I immediately change the channel so I don't have to think about it uh, anymore or something like that. You know, you go on to something else, you know, uh, that's there. It does no practical good if you're not actually doing something about it. Think of it this way. What if someone told you they loved you, but they never showed you that they loved you? Uh, they say all the time, oh, I love you, you're so important to me, I'd do anything for you, but all they think about is themselves. They treat you with disrespect, they never show you any care, they never show you any concern, they never come to you for anything unless they need something, but boy, they love you. Is that really love? Well, the response back, James says, is in verse 18. And he says, some of you are going to say, well, you have faith and I have deeds. I'll show you, so show me your faith without deeds, I'll show you my faith by my deeds. And so what he's saying here is, look, the only thing that really is going to prove a faith is if it's actually lived out and seen in a practical way. If all it is is something in your head and it doesn't come into your lifestyle, it probably wasn't anything that was going to help you in the first place. Probably most people here at some time have taken a driver's test and gotten your driver's license. There's two parts of the driver's test. The first part of the driver's test is the written part of the driver's test. You can get an A-plus on the written part of the driver's test. You can know everything about it. You can know everything about the, the mirrors and how the mirrors work. You can know what a pedestrian using a white cane means. Uh, you can know all of that. You can get every answer on the, the written test right. Does that mean you know how to drive an automobile? No. It has nothing to do with one another. I remember the, the first time I took the, the driver's test, I got every question right. And I remember when I'm taking the actual test where you're driving the car and it came to parallel parking, I thought, man, th this, is, this is bad. And I will say, to my credit, the only time I've ever parallel parked right in my entire life was that driver's test. I, I, I don't know. I, I must have been so panicked I did it wrong and it was perfect, you know, or something like that. But I've never done it since then. As a matter of fact, if I go downtown, I'll drive around for 30 minutes until I found a place where I don't have to parallel park because it's just going to irritate me and everybody else. So knowing the written test doesn't mean you can actually drive the car. And that's James's whole point. Knowing some things about God and believing some things about God doesn't mean that you're saved or it doesn't mean your life is any benefit to God. And he makes that point in a very blunt way in verse 19. You believe there is one God. Well, that's good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. And so he said, what people will say all the time is, well, I believe God, you know, I believe in God, I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, I believe God exists and all that kind of stuff. And he says, well, that's great. You mentally agree with some things about God. And he says, guess what? Demons believe in God. They believe in God so much that when a demon hears the name of God, he trembles at the power of God and what God is going to do but a demon isn't saved. And so what he's doing is he's calling you to have more faith than a demon. Because a lot of us just rest on the fact of, oh, well, I believe a few things about God, but it never affects how I live my life on a daily basis. Some evangelical organizations say that as many as 50% of people in our churches 
are not saved. Now, that's, a, that's an unbelievable statistic. It's even close to being right. But what they say is most people in our churches, half of them or so, will say things like, yeah, I believe God. I believe these things about, about God. But it doesn't really affect their lives. And so the point is, have you ever come to a point in your life where you said, you know, my life's messed up. I can't do this on my own. God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior, and I'm now going to live for you. That's, that's much different than I believe a few things about God. I believe God exists. I believe Jesus died on the cross. No, I've asked God to forgive me of my sins, come into my life, and I'm now dedicating my life to living and serving him. That is, those two things are entirely different. And yet most of us are satisfied with believing a few things about God. So James goes on. Uh, in verses 20 through 26 and he says this is not an either or proposition you need both faith and works you need both faith and works it's not an either or kind of thing look at verse 20 he says you foolish person do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless so if all you have is a simple belief in God and it's not affecting your life and how you live it, he says your faith is useless. It doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter to anyone else. And it doesn't matter to God. You've just mentally agreed to a few principles about God. And then he uses two examples of people whose faith calls their actions to be different. And the first is in verses uh, 21 through 25. And he gives the example of Abraham. Abraham. Look at verse 21. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And so what he's saying here is, okay, look at Abraham. Abraham was a person who believed things about God. And because he believed these things about God, it, it changed the way that he lived his life. You can go through the whole story of Abraham, and that was true. The example he gives here is offering Isaac on the altar. He believed this is what God wanted him to do. He was going to follow through and do it until God, God uh, uh, called him uh, to a different route. But his, his faith and belief caused him to do that. Abraham left his family and his home and went to a faraway country because he believed something about God and it caused him to live his life differently. So he said, Abraham, because of his belief in God, it changed his whole life and how he lived his life. And verse 22 is really interesting. He says, faith and works go together. Look at 22 again. His faith and his actions worked together. They weren't separate things. They became one. I had, I, my faith caused my actions to be different and then he goes on and he says they were made complete by what he did and so the two things it's not an either or i've got faith or or works no it's together if i have faith that faith is going to motivate and change my life and the way that i'm living it look on down to verse 23 the scripture was fulfilled that said abraham believed god it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. So again, his belief motivated his life and the way he lived it and what he was doing. And then finally, verse 24. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. What if Abraham had said, God, I believe in you. I believe you're a great God. I believe that, that you want me to go to a different country. And when I get to this faraway place, you're going to make a great people in my name. I believe all of those things. And then he just stayed where he was, and he never left. 
Would that have been a faith that made any difference? No. Wouldn't have made any difference. What he believed motivated his actions. And so it comes to us, and we have to ask ourselves, does our faith motivate our actions? The second example he gives us in verse 25 of Rahab. He says, in the same way, Rahab the prostitute was considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. So one of the people that he is talking about here as a person of great faith by what they did is Rahab. Now, who was Rahab? Rahab was a Canaanite prostitute. She lived in the city of Jericho. Israel had come out of Egypt. They had, they had, uh, they had defeated everybody. They, the Red Sea had parted. They'd gotten to Jericho. And the mighty city of Jericho believed this about God. Whatever this God is they're worshiping is powerful. We're afraid of him, and we're locking ourselves into these walls so they can't get us. So everybody in that city was afraid of Israel and afraid of Israel's God. But it did nothing to save them. But Rahab had a different belief. Rahab not only believed in that God, she believed this is the real God, this is the true God. And when the spies came in, she hid the spies at the risk of her own life and the life of her entire family, and she sent them on her way. And when Jericho was destroyed, only Rahab and her family were saved. Why? Because what she believed motivated her actions, which made her righteous. And because of that, a Canaanite prostitute became a direct descendant of Jesus Christ because it was her faith that motivated her actions that made her righteous. So what about you this morning? Is your life different because of what you believe in God? Let's do a check. Here's the first part of the check. Do you believe some things about God? Do you believe God exists and he's real and, and Jesus died on the cross for you? Do you believe those things? If you do believe those things, what difference has it made? Has there ever come a time because of what you believe about God, you said, Lord, I can't do it on my own. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save me. Has there ever been a point in your life that you went from believing in God to asking God into your life to save you? Has there ever been a point in your life, if you've asked God to come into your life and save you, you said, now I need to let other people know, and you've stood before other people and said, I believe in Jesus, and you followed him in baptism. If you are here today, baptism is a new Christian's profession of faith. It's the way you let people know that you believe in Jesus, and if you believe in him and you've never been baptized, when we give the invitation, you need to come right down that aisle. And you need to say, okay, what I believe about God is now going to motivate my action, and I'm going to stand in front of other people, and I'm going to get baptized. If you've done all of that, how is, it, how is it changing your life? Have you ever said, okay, then I know I need to be a part of God's family, and you not only come to church, but you've joined a church and become part of a church? I've had people say things to me like, well, I know I've been coming to your church and living in Louisville for 45 years, but I'm a member of a little church in Missouri, and I just feel like I was turning my back on them uh, if I joined your church. And I say, you haven't been to that town in four decades. You know, if this is the place God's calling you, then join the church, you know, and be a part of what God is doing. What about your relationship with God? Do you read your Bible? Do you pray because of what you believe about God? God, I believe you love me. I believe you want a relationship with me. I'm going to try to get closer to you. I want to know more about you. I want to read your word. I want to pray. I want to seek your decision when, I, when your help when I make decisions and when I have problems and troubles. Are you doing that with God right now? Do you support God's church? Do you support his church with, with your money, with your actions, with your time, and with your talents? 
And what about the way you live your life? Do you treat people with love and respect? Do you help those who are less fortunate and hurting? Do you forgive people even when they haven't asked to be forgiven and don't deserve it? Do you see everyone you come into contact with as valuable and try to treat them that way? Do you tell other people about Jesus because they need Jesus more than anything else? How is your life different because of what you believe? Because if the only thing is you believe a few things about God, then James says it's just useless. He ends in verse 26 and he says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, faith without deeds is dead. So someone dies. You can put a nice dress on them, a fancy suit. You can put them in the casket. You can dress them all up. They can look good. And yet it's just a dead body. It's just a corpse in a casket. And he said, if all you have is that you believe a few things about God, you can dress it up any way you want, and you can feel good about yourself because you believe, but it's just a corpse in a casket. Because faith is going to be seen by what you do, not just what you believe. The two come together. Some people think that Paul and James are contradicting each other here in this particular scripture passage because Paul says some things that seem to be the totally opposite uh, of this. You know, uh, Paul says uh, that the only way that you are saved uh, is by, by grace and grace alone, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. So it's all by grace and grace alone. But James says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. They're not contradicting each other, though. What Paul is talking about is salvation. And in salvation, what Paul is saying is the only way you're saved is Jesus dying on the cross for you. You're not not saved by being good or knowing enough or doing the right things. You're only saved by grace and Jesus dying for you. That's how you're saved. But what James is saying is if you are saved, then your life is going to show it in the way that you're living it. And if it's not showing it, then I have the question, James says, are you really even saved? And so they're not talking against each other. It's actually one and the same thing. Faith and works go hand in hand. So if you really believe, if you have a saving faith, it's going to be seen in your lifestyle. We had an interesting story this week about a, uh, a young man by the name of Levi Jones. Got a picture of Levi right here. Now, try the next picture. I, I, I don't like him anymore. Uh, this one right here. All right. This is Levi Jones. That was my fault. Uh, This is Levi Jones right here. Levi works at Chick-fil-A in Columbus, Georgia. Has he ever waited on you, anybody from Columbus, Georgia? Okay, maybe not. All right. Anyway, the other day, uh, he was there. He was in the the line outside. You know how when you come in and they grab you in the drive-thru line and take your order and all that kind of stuff? Well, he's out doing that, and the manager came out and said, hey, see what the guy's doing over at the side. And so he walked over there, and there was a suspicious-looking guy behind a tree. And he walked over, and it was a homeless guy standing behind the tree. And uh, he says, you know, can I help you, sir? And uh, the guy says, "Uh, I was just going to look in your trash can to see if there was any food. And Levi said, well, I tell you what, why don't you come sit on one of these benches outside, and I'll go get you some food. And so he went in with his own money. He bought bought him a meal, brought it back out to him, gave it to him. When he was getting ready to leave, uh, it was really hot, of course, in Columbus, Georgia this time of year. He noticed the guy didn't have any shoes. And he said, uh, do you have any shoes? And he said, no, I lost my shoes a few days ago. And he goes, well, how can you walk on this concrete? Isn't that burning your feet? And he said, 
Oh, you get used to it. He said, what size shoe do you wear? And he told him, he says, well, that's my size. Take my shoes. And so he gave him his shoes. And uh, he went back inside, and his manager says, where are your shoes? <laughs> and he said, well, I gave them to the homeless guy after I bought him a meal. And uh, the manager says, well, you know, you can't work without shoes. You know, you're in a restaurant. And uh, so somebody that was checking out said, hey, I've got a pair of shoes in my car, but they're a size 13. And he says, well, I'm a size 9. And he goes, well, that's the best I can do. <laughs> so he brings in his size 13. He puts it on. And before it is done, a lady from the local newspaper was there. And guess what one of the stories the next day in the newspaper is? Exactly what he did. Now, why is that even a story that anybody would care about? Because people don't care about people anymore. People don't try to help people anymore. And the reason he did it, he told the newspaper later, was Jesus said just to treat people the way you wanted to be treated. And if I was hungry and didn't have shoes, that's what I would have wanted somebody to do for me. That's a faith that motivated a life change. And that's what you need to be asking yourself. If I really believe in God, how is my life different? How is my life making other people better and, and being more caring because of who I am and the way that I live? Put your faith into action. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. We just, every week James comes and he just keeps hitting us every day right where we live. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to look at our life and to say, does it have the proof of what we believe? In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.